This is your Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. I'm Brad Binkley. Last Tuesday on the show, not yesterday, March 3rd, we played our final two WSB shows here on the Drive Time News Blast. One was from February 22nd, a show in which we talked about coronavirus, event 201, and other subjects that the MSM refers to as conspiracy theories. And then a second from a week later, February 29th, a show in which we announced it would be our very last at WSB. Those two shows offered a quick glimpse into our coronavirus-related coverage on WSB. The two shows that preceded it, however, offer a more detailed look at the coronavirus and the agenda items laid out in Event 201, many of which we are now seeing play out on a daily basis on the news. So what we're going to do today is we're going to play those two shows on Drive Time News Blast. Our initial coverage of the coronavirus on WSB, this is from February 8th and February 15th. I hope you guys enjoy the show. And we will be back to our regularly scheduled program tomorrow. Think you know all about the coronavirus? Think again. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. Although today has to be the shortest show in WSB history, we are on what looks like 507 to probably 527. But you know what? We are going to jam so much information into this next half an hour that you'll hear more stuff you haven't heard before about the coronavirus. Deep, interesting, important stuff than you've heard all week long on the mainstream cable news cycle 24-7. We're going to give you more uh, than that in this half hour. So we are live. We're going to jam it all in. I'm here, of course, with my trusty producer, Binkley. Hi, Binkley. How you doing? It's snowing today or it snowed today, so I'm great. Because you love snow? For about 10 minutes, then I'm tired of it. Yes, I am not a huge fan. I think we get just enough here, maybe a little bit too much, (laughs) an hour too much. But as someone who's grown up in the suburbs of New York City, we would get socked in all the time. And you'd like to stay home from school, but as a grown up, I have no tolerance for that. (laughs) So, okay, but if you are... And you don't want to go outside and catch cold because it could be the coronavirus. This is the thing. The coronavirus is a, they call it the novel coronavirus because there are about a jillion coronaviruses and they're pretty mild. And they're as contagious as a common cold, but about as deadly. Except for, like most flus, if you are in a vulnerable population, it is something that can be one of the causes of pneumonia. So maybe maybe the virulence is changing, uh, the contagion is changing, but in the beginning of this thing, when people were freaking out all around the world, it that's what the story was. So I was a little confused by why people were panicking immediately over something that might not be that big a deal. But I kind of think I I have a suspicion as to the answer, thanks to something you brought us on our podcast, which I should tell people. You and I do a podcast under the banner of the Propaganda Report, but we do it every single day. So we take the news of the day and we pull back the curtain in real time and people absolutely love it. I'll tell you more about it later, but if you want to hear this show a little more than what you're getting right this minute, 
check it out. It's at the Propaganda Report or thepropreport.com. But you brought to that show this, I think, I was blown away by what you discovered. Tell us about it. There was a global pandemic virus simulation held by the John Hopkins Center and the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation back in October of 2019, where they simulated an exercise to prepare public and private leaders for a pandemic response, and they specifically focused on a response to the coronavirus. That was in October, and the coronavirus started causing old people to have pneumonia, which they get, and other things can also cause it. But our we became aware of the coronavirus as a potentially deadly thing in November. So one month after, what was interesting to me about this is that they called it a live simulation. Now, what, what could that, a simulation is a simulation, right? What is live, what in your, I'm not telling you to tell you, like, what's your guess? What does live mean to you? Like as a person knowing what that word means. According to their website, it featured a live virtual experience. They had mock newscast, which sound exactly like the newscast we've been seeing. In the past, I know other live events, they have actually done live out in the field simulations without telling the public, like live shooting type simulations. I don't know if that's what they refer to here or not, but that's my understanding of it in the past. Okay, so... I don't know. And if you haven't heard me before, I know you have, Binkley, but if everybody else hasn't heard, I'm always down the rabbit hole. You know, when they say you need never let a good crisis go to waste, in my mind, why wait for a crisis? Why not just create a crisis? So it, for me, it's just as easy that they took advantage of this amazingly similar coronavirus that was, I think it's called zoonic, whatever. So like the simulation had human beings getting it from pigs. And the one that we're hearing about now, we got it from like bats or anteaters or something weird. So whatever. So maybe it's just a coincidence, a really amazing coincidence. But here's the thing. So that that's not where the coincidences end. So let's say it's a real thing, which coincidentally coincides with this agenda. See, that's the thing I looked into after you gave us all that information. I looked into it. There's tons of information. You're right. I couldn't go through the videos like you did. But I immediately discovered on the Johns Hopkins website the seven action items that they want us to get out of a of this live simulation. They're saying that it's the live simulation that should spark our understanding of certain challenges and what we need to do to get ahead of it in case there ever really is a pandemic. So in their simulation, they said 65 million people died. In this, what's what we're visually, what we're watching now, we don't have that kind of number. It's like 700 and something dying, which is far lower than the actual the flu. The CDC says that the flu worldwide kills 600 and something hundred thousand so or six hundred something thousand yeah so to me this isn't that big a deal but it is sparking the kind of panic that insist and testing out the systems that go just in lockstep with the agenda here so there are seven agenda items they get way more interesting as the list goes on we have about a minute for each one but i think you and i both chime in if you if this rings a bell the first one i will just say so if there's if you see things that are happening in in real time that go against these agenda items chime in binkley but in the beginning i'm gonna kind of just tick them off if i can this uh public private interoperability that's like the first one i'm just kind of uh 
condensing it all. If people want to look at it, that's John Hopkins Event 201 Call to Action. I tweeted it at Monica Perez Show. But the World Economic Forum, their whole thing, their reason for being when they established themselves 50 years ago was to get private, public interoperability and it went hand in hand in the timing, too, of the Trilateral Commission's Bignan Brzezinski saying we need to take kind of democracy out of the hands of the people. We need to get our agendas pushed through non-democratic institutions. So I see that as the recurring theme here. And I feel like just from an ideological point of view, you see capitalism and freedom yielding to socialism so that everything gets up to the state. And now I see socialism yielding to fascism. So they say it's privatization, public-private partnership. But what it really is, is using private money, private buy-in to take any kind of representative government semblance of self-government out of our hands and without us really even knowing it. So that's what I think is kind of the sinister backstory here. That's kind of number one. The second one is to have virtual stockpiles of vaccines, including experimental vaccines, and countries who have a lot should be committed to donating to countries that don't, and they should also commit in advance to funding for this. So the experimental vaccines is a big thing. And I have a friend from Sweden who's staying with me right now. And she was just mentioning, totally unrelated to any of this, that the swine flu vaccine in Sweden uh, was is largely credited with causing an outbreak, a severe outbreak of chronic fatigue syndrome that's causing a rash of suicides. So experimental vaccines and later in the agenda items it talks about liability relief and regulatory relief for population level distribution of vaccines in real time so they want everybody to get the vaccination without liability so there's no recourse at all and they're experimental that's scary to me and what better way to expedite the process of developing a vaccination than by uh disease being released and challenging all the medical and tech companies to get that vaccine there quickly. And that is one of the agenda items is that they should that the businesses should get ready. They should uh, and governments should increase resources for R&D surges and vaccines, therapies uh, and diagnostics for a pandemic. The countries and companies should greatly increase their Uh, the speed and capability, they should develop new technologies and industrial approaches, including, it says like two or three times, including dealing with or addressing legal and regulatory barriers to this rapid deployment of experimental vaccines. China is challenging their companies almost like an arms race to quickly develop this vaccine. That is going on right now. An arms race, that's funny because they're calling it a war. They're using they're yeah. calling it the people's war. They use they're using Mao terminology about how this is a war. They're using military approaches. Other things that totally reflect these agenda items coming out of China is that they're that it one of these one of these agenda items says that the public services will not be able to handle it. Private services will have to kick in. That was in the Wall Street Journal today about China. And they're they're doing several other things that are straight out of this agenda item, such as promoting flooding the the country with authoritative information and censoring non-authoritative information. And they're getting like heat for the censorship and stuff. But really, in my mind, they're just seeing how it works. 
I completely agree, and I think we're seeing how it works over here, too, because people are being censored here as well on social media. Right, and and it, it actually highlights in this agenda item that it you the that private sector employers and faith leaders should be the ones to tell their constituents to reinforce the authoritative message and suppress rumors or what they're calling false information. They also call for social media and traditional media companies to use technology to, to quote, suppress false messages, false messages. But as we know, with like this, the swine flu thing in Sweden, the authoritative message isn't always the accurate message. So saying that the authoritative message versus the false message, that's a foregone conclusion that is not in evidence with this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need evidence to decide. You know, you need that debate. You need that discourse. You need the competition of information. They want us to defer to the authoritative person regardless of the facts. And and then the Chinese government, for example, is using military strategies. They're punishing people who do not obey, who supposedly they're suppressing this information so that like a guy who is sounding the alarm, a doctor, young doctor died and it's so unusual for someone that age to die so now we're like they're really suppressing the information but that a lot of this stuff is they're testing how people react yep and they got drones following people around harassing them about masks to put on their face as well yeah that is shocking to me but i mean you saw it all right we've got a couple more i can't just rattle them off number by number because it's just too dense you got to look at it yourself but we'll we'll try to pack a little bit more in after the break this is monica perez Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Blowing the lid off of the coronavirus. Honest to goodness, this is a threat to your liberty because Johns Hopkins, the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have put out a seven-point agenda call to action for pandemic preparedness. We just went through a few of them. If you want, uh, you can listen to this show at the Monica Perez show on iTunes, although Binkley and I exhaustively cover this and all the news in rapid fire fashion in our daily podcast. You can find it at the Propaganda Report on any of your favorite podcasting feeds or on thepropreport.com. And if you want to leave us an awesome comment, we will start reading those comments on the air because we have been urged to inform people of this awesome podcast that it takes one listen to get hooked from the many comments that we have gotten. So uh, check that out and leave us a comment. We'll read it on the air on WSB. Then these just there are two more agenda items I haven't hit yet. The first one is that the the this uh, coronavirus or any kind of pandemic should be used to get global businesses to understand the impact of the bottom line of workforce health disruptions, business disruptions, movements of goods and services disrupted, and what they should do is advocate, lobby, cooperate, and insist on more government funding for pandemic preparedness, including virtual vaccine stockpiles. What you got on that, Binkley? Virtual vaccine stockpiles. Well, just that they're trying to make it, I think, so they can rapidly deploy new vaccines in real time. But they need, I just saw Merck yeah. shifting all these resources away from legacy drugs towards experimental vaccines and a few other things. I was puzzled. Yeah, I heard a lot of talk about how 
it would take a long time, perhaps years, to perfect this vaccine unless there was something like this that happened and all these companies can be challenged to a competition to see who can develop it first. And that's why I called it an arms race. I think actually the vaccine thing is big, but I think it's number two to something even more significant. Really, really, really big. These are the globalists, and I think they anticipate a destabilized world, a problem world that does not have the kind of health and stability and all that. So their number seven or number six item is that trade and money flow should continue no matter what and we need to test out the systems to figure out you put those people in hazmat uniforms if you have to but do not stop globalist corporations from getting their product to the consumer even when they're on their deathbed for more of this see thepropreport.com and we'll be back next week with the monica perez show same time same place furs from animals to humans kills 10 percent of those it infects panics financial markets is it real or is it davos the monica perez show starts now this is monica perez waking atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every saturday from three to six right here on 95.5 wsb Lately, though, you know how it is with UGA Sports. Basketball's on right after the show. We're only on till 3 o'clock today. We've got one hour. But as always, we are going to jam-pack more news into this hour, more original news and insights than you hear all week long on your 24-7 cable news cycle or any other strictly mainstream media outlet We're going to give you a better insight into what's happening. And the top story continues to be, week after week, the novel coronavirus. So there are a couple of updates. I'm sure you hear that there is a big uh, coronavirus outbreak. It can range anywhere from mild flu-like symptoms to a fatal pneumonia. It's uh, ground zero is Wuhan, China. Factories have closed down. Retail outlets have closed down. It has disrupted trade and travel and financial markets. The latest count as of today is that there were 67,000 confirmed cases in China and 1,500 deaths. Now, two important things happened this week that impact that. One is, or two things, generally one impacts that. They changed how they were deciding whether somebody, how they were diagnosing it. Prior to this week, they were diagnosing novel coronavirus, 2019 novel coronavirus, based on lab tests that confirmed the presence of that particular microbe, which has been kind of DNA'd, and so they know what it looks like. Then, this week, they decided to allow doctors, for both because there was inaccuracies in those tests and also limitations on how quickly they could perform them, they decided to allow doctors to decide whether they were going to classify someone who presented any of these symptoms, mild flu-like symptoms, anywhere to severe pneumonia, the doctor can decide in the clinic if that person should be classified as having coronavirus. And a couple of things that motivated that policy change were really policy motives. One is that they all of a sudden had more capacity in their pop-up hospitals. So they have these like mass manufactured, almost prefab hospitals in, in China just popping up out of nowhere 
and they have some extra capacity now, and they also want to have carte blanche or greater latitude in tracking you down and surveilling you and digging into your background and where you've been. And if they classify you as being a carrier or having this, then they can kind of suspend any kind of rules that would prevent them from digging into your background. Now, we another big change that happened this week, first let me tell you, Binkley and I, Hi, Binkley. How are you doing? Fantastic. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm happy and relatively healthy compared to what it sounds like is happening over there in Wuhan. You're not quarantined? Not quarantined, although I'm happy to self-quarantine in case anybody thinks that I need to be arrested. I will, I'll do whatever you tell me. I'm going to behave. I'm signaling my willingness to cooperate right now so that I don't spark any kind of authoritative action. So what's been happening is if you don't self-quarantine, they make you quarantined for longer. This has happened in a couple of different areas. They'll give you 14 days, but if you don't cooperate, then they are going to flag you and you don't really know when you're getting out. So one thing is that we, Binkley brought this to our attention a couple of weeks ago, actually right at the beginning of the latest really surge in media, that the World Economic Forum, and that's the Davos people, as well as the uh, Gates Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and Johns Hopkins came out with a, a pandemic exercise, a live simulation in October, where they went through basically the exact scenario we are seeing unfolding all the way down to calling it the novel coronavirus, which would be the 2019 novel coronavirus because this live simulation ha- happened in October. And this emerged in November. So we're going to walk you through this Event 201, it was called. But one other development this week that I think points right to the fact that they don't really want us to be aware of this because the parallels go so deep. It's just it's very hard to take seriously the coincidence theorists who think that this was just a coincidence. They are just kooky. So the two, so now they changed the name and they not only changed the name, but they changed the name in the U.S. and they changed it to a different name in the U.K. from the articles I was reading. So in the U.S., they're no longer calling it the novel coronavirus like they did in Event 201. They're now calling it COVID-19, Coronavirus Disease 19. And in U.K., they're calling it SARS-CoV-2, which is a severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus number two, so it's SARS number two, so that it just gets very confusing, especially when there isn't a lot of news about this event, 201. It's going to get harder and harder to really debunk the debunkers who say it's not really true. But in any case, we're going to get to that. But I want, but there is another development this week that, Binkley, you have been really following. I have not been following it so much. Can you give us an update? Actually, they said at the top of the hour news about the Diamond Princess cruise ship. Can you just give us a couple of uh, highlights about that story? Also known as the Voyage of the Damned, I've read. Oh, I actually, the Wall Street Journal has it as uh, fear, boredom aboard the virus cruise. The virus cruise. The virus cruise. That's a new marketing thing. Yeah, let's go on the virus cruise. That's a reality television show waiting to happen. (laughs) There are 67 additional passengers that have been quarantined today because they tested positive, bringing the total to 286 so, but what is this? Where did this ship come from? Like, who is it a U.S. ship and it came out of China? Where is it? The ship is anchored off of the coast of Japan. 
and it cruised around in the infected region. And it's been there for a while, right? It's been there for almost two weeks. In fact, they were reaching day 14 of the quarantine point, except last night over the intercom system on the ship, the passengers were told that because there have been so many people infected, they might have to stay longer than anticipated. You and I talked about that possibility. We were wondering if somebody gets diagnosed on day 13, if it's a 14-day quarantine, does everybody then have to reset? I mean, that could happen forever, kind of. Yeah. And on top of that, the United States is sending ships over there to extract the American passengers on board, which there's like 380 of, I believe. But they're, they're giving the offer to, so they might not all do it because if they get on board... Then when they get back here to the United States, they have to be quarantined again for another two weeks. So they have to balance, am I going to get out of here soon or do I want to go home? Yeah, so that's I've noticed that there's this recurring theme that if you take the voluntary measure to the last day, you will be treated better than if you kind of get antsy and want to go sooner. And actually, Dean just tweeted that they made that at one of these ships, I think they let somebody off prematurely who then came down with the disease. And I must say, I I read an article yesterday in the activist post that said that a Yale study suggests that there could be a 24-day incubation period, which would mean that they have been treating it wrong for so long that a lot of people could be out here in the world having engaged in international travel that might create this kind of second wave, a surge. Yeah, they could... They could help create the pandemic if 380 people are coming home and the testing measures haven't been accurate. About 30% of the people tested on the ship have tested positive. I think 700 or so had been tested. Wow, and there's a couple of thousand people on that ship, Yeah, between two and 3,000. And and if 380 come back to the States and then if 30% of those test positive, I don't know that they will, but... It is raising Wait, potential so complications. So here's the thing. Here's why that particular thing is so interesting to me, is that event 201, which there's no way we could even begin to cover how crazy this story is that the that these powers that be. And let me just say, anybody who thinks, who says like, oh, you and your quote, they, you and your conspiracy theories, who are they? Well, let me just tell you who they are in this case They are the World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who got together 15 people, leaders from governments, national governments, international organizations, and global business, from NBC to Johnson & Johnson to the CDC of China was involved in this. So there's just 15 people, and one of them was the head of the CDC of China, George Gao, who's leading the charge here. Another guy, not of that 15, but one of the guys involved is Mike Ryan, a C, uh, WHO exec in charge of this, also on the front line of this real coronavirus. But what they, but what, one of the things that, so, so just to be clear what they are, they, these 15 people under the uh, leadership of the World Health Organization, of, of uh, the World Economic Forum, the Davos guys, are getting together to talk about what you would do in a pandemic, how you would get international organizations from governments to foundations, faith-based leadership, any kind of organization, social media, everything like that, to institute protocols and policies, including mass censorship and uh, financial stimulus, everything like that, 
with an emphasis on the fact that you cannot count on national governments or the democratic process to do it right and do it fast and this is how you can get around that now that this is they this is the world globalism they who want to set the terms of how we live and they use things like this as an excuse to implement such practices and in their event 201 it was simulated but now these same people are bringing forward these same policies and stressing out these same systems in an, a manner that is so similar to their simulation that I find it hard to believe. And we're going to play you some clips that'll emphasize what we're talking about. But like I said, we're not going to get through it all today. But what Binkley and I do every single day is we do a daily podcast. It's called the Drive Time News Blast, but you can find it on a podcast feed under our kind of overarching name, Propaganda Report, or you can go to our website, thepropreport.com. And we do 30 minutes every day of news. We've been covering this as it's been breaking. And we give it to you from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice, which is a nice change of pace if you're just sitting around watching Fox or CNN around the clock. We give you all that news, but from a better perspective. So you should check that out. And actually, I know, Binkley, that you love to collect all the uh all the accolades we get and i think people echo that sentiment that it's really it's um uh worth at least checking out what you give me a, like maybe something good that people say that you have in your list i have one here from jj boogie that says one of a kind podcast the most unique current events podcast out there that discusses politics and current events all right. Well, it certainly does. And you can find it at thepropreport.com. But we're going to finish up with lots and lots of insights into what they are using this disease, whether it's a crisis they created or a crisis they simply cannot let go to waste and anticipated. We're going to get back to that right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. You maniac! You blow it up! On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I have a prize pack for you. A pair of tickets to see the Rolling Stones on July 9th at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com, but... You can get those free tickets if you are the first to call the prize pack hotline, 404-7410-750. I always see the Stones every tour. I even went to Prague a couple of years ago to see them because I thought it might be the end for them. But they are uh, back and better than ever, probably. Pretty good. They're always pretty good. So uh, that you can get that at Ticketmaster.com or get the prize pack now. Also... So I was telling you about Binkley and I do a podcast and it's people love it. You can get it at the propaganda report. I also we should probably start doing videos. I think we're going to. But I did a video recently just last week with Dave Smith, who people might know. He's sometimes a guest on Fox News on Kennedy. He's a super hardcore libertarian. He has a show called Part of the Problem. So if you want to put a face to my voice, you can check out his latest YouTube video. It's episode 546. And I pretty much give an overview of how I see things, how I, how I see what who the they are, and especially what I think is really going on with the 2020 election cycle. So that should be interesting if you want to check that out. It's part of the problem. And... 
What we're talking about today, and I want to play some clips that I think really point out that whether this crisis is this coronavirus is if there's any kind of weird backstory here, if what you see is not what you're getting, it doesn't matter. It is very clear the agenda that the powers that be are going to try to serve with this crisis, including using any kind of conspiracy theories that might emerge about what's really going on to their advantage. These guys aren't uh, on top for nothing, rather clever, but we're going to pull back the curtain as far as we can in the half hour we have remaining. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Well, no one's going to top that. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. I'm only on until 3 today because of UGA basketball. But if you want to hear what we have to say, my producer Binkley and I co-host a daily podcast with up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. And we did it because we wanted it and we couldn't find it. So we did it ourselves, and people are bananas for it, I must say. It's uh, under the banner of the Propaganda Report, so you can go to your favorite podcast feed and find the Propaganda Report, or you can go to our website, thepropreport.com, and... Uh, Maybe at the end of this segment, Binkley, you can read one of our many glowing testimonials. Unless you have one handy, go ahead, tell people. Yeah, I got one handy right now. Ron says, great thought-provoking show. I have heard the show casually on weekends over the last few months on WSB and have now found the podcast. I love hearing opinions that attempt to look a step deeper into what is disseminated by the mass media on either side of the political spectrum, rather than just tuning in to hear what agenda-based packaged talking points the host on either side think that I want to hear. Great show, guys. I'm always checking in for the new content. Keep it coming. Wow. Well, that is exactly what we're going for. And unless you've been listening for the last half hour, you might not know what people are loving about it. So we will kind of get to it right now and tell people that uh, the kind of pulling back the curtain that we do and this week the top story is the coronavirus and it has been for a while but what you see is not necessarily what you get so it what the official narrative is this uh virus started in wuhan china it has mild flu-like symptoms but could actually cause fatal pneumonia that the Chinese government suppressed information about it which made the approach to keeping it at bay harder and perhaps that's why it spread out one of the big things is that a lot of people are saying it was a bioweapon or floating conspiracy theories out now that raised a red flag for me because the world economic forum and johns hopkins and bill and melinda gates did this thing called event 201 one month before this virus actually came out it was a virus with the same name and one of the problems they tried to correct was that misinformation and conspiracy theories were so dangerous they were preventing government and health officials from addressing the problem so loose lips were costing lives and that it was justifying censorship and they needed to bring in 
social media to start censoring content, taking down sites. We see this stuff happening right now. If you go and look at the Event 201 website and you see all the things they did and what they recommended, you can then go to just the Wikipedia page for this novel coronavirus, and you will see the same thing down to almost verbatim. Google, Facebook, and Twitter agree to take down misinformation about coronavirus and any sites that promote that. It's really uncanny. But we don't have time to get through all that. It's like days and days of material. But you did, you found some stuff you cut for us, right, Binkley? What, what, what is it? Where did it come from? And, uh, and let's hit it. These clips came from the Event 201 simulation. In the simulation, they did live staff briefings, moderated discussions, and pre-recorded news broadcast that sound eerily similar to the ones we've heard the past few weeks. I, yes, I heard some of these, and uh, and they were so well delivered that you realize that when people are reading the news, they'll read it the same, whether it's true or not or whatever. Like, it, this just sounds like a newscaster reading a piece of paper in front of her. I think, let's hear the, let's hear the first one that you sent me, clip eight. Serious respiratory disease. More than half of the recognized cases have required hospital care, creating a huge strain on healthcare systems. The fatality rate is about 10%. For comparison, CAPS is about as lethal as SARS and two to four times more lethal than the 1918 influenza pandemic, the worst pandemic on record. Even so, some people only exhibit mild flu-like symptoms, not requiring treatment in a hospital. Alarmingly, those people are able to walk around and spread the virus, not realizing they are doing so. Even worse, international travelers have been arriving at their destination symptom-free, but within a matter of hours, becoming ill. Travel-related cases have blossomed into outbreaks in a number of locations and have quickly grown faster than health authorities could respond and contain them. Okay, so this is from the live simulation. This is not the actual novel coronavirus that started to be reported in November, but this is from a simulated one from the Davos people in October, right? Yeah. I mean, the parallels are uncanny. That is just the beginning of them. But a few things she mentioned in there, which I found an article just, I mean, just noodling through some articles. One was from the University of Minnesota Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy. And they talk about that this is an 11% fatality rate compared to the fake one, which was 10%, that it has a 2.2% r0 whatever that means it's 2.2 like where you're sick you can infect 2.2 people she said for the fake one it was 2.0 they say it is more infectious than the 1918 flu pandemic she says it is two to four times more infectious or deadlier whatever she says i mean the the parallels are really scary and other things are that it went from animals to their handlers then to healthcare workers then to the population in general it came from international travel it has mild flu symptoms which allow people to walk around spreading it around occasionally it's fatal until so well that's just the beginning i could i can't go on and on about it but do you have anything about that before we move on to the second clip which i you could plug that news broadcast in right into the news, and people. I was a know little nervous as it was playing. I was nervous that people listening to this station right now would think that that was a real broadcast. However, it wouldn't matter because it's the exact same information. Yeah, like it's not even disseminated. Like, oh, people are panicking, war of the worlds kind of thing, you know. But it doesn't because it is exactly what they're saying anyway. 
So, but so that so that clip was her saying that was like during the experiment, as if that were a newscast. And then at the end, that same woman kind of recaps the conclusion of the entire exercise and talks a little bit about that. Now, here's what I'm worried about. I'm worried that if if the powers that be can manipulate stuff or really, really, all I think this is, I don't even know about the epidemiology or the infectiousness or or any of that, the novelness of this. I don't know any of that. And it doesn't matter. Because really, it's the propaganda, it's the information they're spreading around that's causing panic, that allows people to accept these uh, this withdrawal of rights, this totalitarianism, censorship. It doesn't matter true or false. It just matters if people are believing this or if it's justified so that people don't really resist it. So this is what she says is going to happen next. I mean, in the simulation at this point, if we are in six months or three months or whatever into the simulation, this is what she says as she looks back on the simulation of how, how it progressed. Now, this is the thing that kind of scares me. Let's hear it. Clip nine. The outcome of the CAPS pandemic in event 201 was catastrophic. 65 million people died in the first 18 months. The outbreak was small at first and initially seemed controllable, but then it started spreading in densely crowded and impoverished neighborhoods of megacities. From that point on, the spread of the disease was explosive. Within six months, cases were occurring in nearly every country. The global economy was in a free fall the GDP down 11 percent. Stock markets around the world plummeted between 20 and 40 percent and headed into a downward cycle of fear and low expectation. Businesses were not borrowing. Banks were not lending. Everyone was just hoping to hunker down and weather the storm. Economists say the economic turmoil caused by such a pandemic will last for years, perhaps a decade. The societal impacts, the loss of faith in government, the distrust of news, and the breakdown of social cohesion could last even longer. I mean, that is is so much that kind of scares me. There's an article in Foreign Policy about spreading conspiracy theories about the the coronavirus and how Russia does it and how authoritarian controls are being put in to wrangle it and how those controls are going to be abused that sounds exactly like that clip we just listened to well and those two and two of the th- or several of the things she's talking about really play into what i see as a different as as agenda items across the board anyway the two things being uh it's the democracy and the economy and this is what i mean the economy she says gdp goes down the stock market crashes money stops and I before I heard that or any or the coronavirus was even a blip on my radar, I expected it looks to me just the way the economy is, the the maturity of our expansion and how low, unprecedentedly low our rates are for this. I think that the powers that be who have a lot of control over this want to get Trump back in. So they want to stimulate long enough to get him in, but there's only so much they can do. I mean, they don't have a lot of tools left to use their Keynesian methods. So we've got to have a crash, I think, because the 2008 crash wasn't really fully vetted through the system. And I thought they were going to blame Trump for it, but they can blame this for it and preserve their own reputation as as Fed manipulators, Federal Reserve manipulators actually having some value instead of this being the moment of truth for them that the 2008 
economic crisis is going to come home to roost. They can blame it on Trump. They can blame it on trade. They can blame it on China. They can now blame it on the coronavirus and justify massive inflationary money printing. And then the other thing that I've noticed over and over again, as we see more talk about foreign election interference and all that, is that when she is talking about how this kind of thing will destroy faith in government, faith in the media, and undermine society at its very core, that plays right into anti-government protests, election integrity issues, all the stuff that I've been highlighting as, and you have too, as undermining our system and playing into the hands of what Michael Chertoff and his crew said they wanted, which is a fundamental restructuring of our legal architecture. And I would say starting with how we choose representatives and how they represent us. Yeah, they want to get a global unit to take care of health worldwide. That's what I got from a foreign policy article that sounds a lot like these yes. simulations. And that makes me think of something. I, I think it was John Mearsheimer. I don't want to say for sure because I can't. It's been a long, long time. But he was on a Conversations with History or somebody like that, like a big globalist kind of deep state kind of guy saying a long time ago that we needed socialized medicine for the information. That's that what they needed- say. Yeah, you need it for the information. And they say we need the information for the pandemic, but they it's not it. It's they, they use the pandemic and the health stuff as an excuse to really monitor us inside and out. I mean, that's what's happening here. And divide and conquer us because people go into their corners and it increases xenophobia, all kind of conflict. It's funny because Event 201, the simulation actually talked about racism and xenophobia and how minority populations were being looked at with distrust and skepticism. That's exactly what's happening here. I mean, it's really interesting. I have to just give us um, props where props are due. Spiro Skouris on BitChute put out a great video, which I just tweeted, that pulls a lot of clips, I'm sure it was a lot of work, on the censorship elements of their agenda. And we are see- it's worth watching because we are seeing that happen right now. But we'll also talk about this, continuing to talk about this as it unfolds. I don't think we're anywhere near the end of this crisis when we do our propaganda reports every day, which people can listen to whenever they want, actually, right now, if you want. But uh, let's wrap it up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. We have one more clip from Event 201, the live simulation of the novel coronavirus that front ran the actual reporting of a novel coronavirus by one month. So this is from October 2019. The World Economic Forum put this on. I think it is worth squeezing in. Let's hear clip number... Mm, Six. One thing we haven't spoken about, and I'm wondering whether it's time to talk about this, is uh, a step up from the part of the governments on enforcement actions against fake news. My team has been monitoring the public response, um, and on various social media channels and cable networks, there's been uh, some conspiracy theories that are around about uh, the potential that pharmaceutical companies or the UN have released this for their own benefit. So as we move forward, obviously trust in pharmaceuticals and government is very important at this moment. And so as we okay. move forward uh, with developing the right um, scenarios, we have to make sure that the public communication is a, is a major part of that because of these conspiracy theories. So this is 
these guys are coming up with real agenda items, real policy recommendations for when there is a real pandemic. And now we are told there is a real pandemic. And uh, I think we need to watch as this story unfolds and kind of don't you don't allow them to tell you you need to give up your rights, give up your protections because for your own good. Never fall for it. Even if the crisis is real, keep defend your protections to the end. We'll be back next week. This is Monica Perez. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you tomorrow.